Where can I buy a director's chair? Amazon. Where can I buy Welcome Back Cotter on DVD? Amazon. Where can I buy that Humping Animals adult coloring book with a dog fucking a chicken on the back? Amazon. Go to d2rpn.com and click the Amazon banner. Buy an oven mitt. Tested and approved Doomsday Bunker. Here is Ryan the Area Man. There is a video game that doesn't exist. It's a myth, an urban legend, a hoax. It's called Polybius, and you might have heard of it. Let me take you back to 1981. Back when arcade games were at their peak. A multi-billion dollar industry and a fever that had a grip on pop culture. Video arcades were a new social nexus and had sprung up everywhere. Dimly lit by neon light, adorned with garish carpet, they played host both to crowds of teenagers and cabinet after cabinet of the hottest games of the era. Space Invaders, Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, Galaga. However, in an unnamed arcade in some sleepy suburb of Portland, there lurked something more obscure. A limited release of a game that would evaporate as silently as it appeared. The stories are vague. The cabinet is described as plain, and the gameplay? Weird-looking, abstract, fast action with puzzle elements. Sometimes it's described as being particularly addictive, despite the unassuming appearance. The only concrete details are the name, year of release, and the company behind it. Polybius, 1981, Zinis Lotion. Really, it was just like any other arcade machine, except for the side effects. Reports of sickness, amnesia, night terrors, and behavioral changes followed those who played it. It was no accident either, if you believe the rumors. Instead, a secret project by government agency, developed from military tech for the CIA or some other men in black. The machines were observed, gameplay records were taken, and then, after a month or so, they disappeared without notice along with any shred of evidence. To this day, no authentic cabinets, boards, or dumped ROMs have surfaced. But there are some who claim to hold them. 
quite the yarn. But could there be any merit to this myth, or even a basis in truth? It's probably safe to assume that the story has been subject to quite some embellishment. The accounts are full of conjecture and weasel words, supposedly, according to, etc. One thing remains consistent across all the stories, and that's the name. Polybius. Why Polybius? It's not novel, it belongs to a Greek of some repute, a prominent historian born in Megalopolis, Arcadia. This could be a deliberate choice to muddy search queries about the game, or perhaps it was chosen on its own merits. Polybius covered the Romans' rise to power in detail, an important primary source and an early example of rigour in historiography. He also lends his name to a simple cipher, the Polybius Square, in which letters are substituted by their coordinates on a grid. Altogether, this doesn't tell us much, although the meaning of the name is interesting. The poly prefix means many, and bios, life. Many lives, from Arcadia. <laughs> Convenient. It could be a coincidence, but we can assume whoever named the game has at least some knowledge of either history or cryptography. Real or not, the name was chosen. Another word consistent to the myth is the supposed developer or publisher, Zinis Lotion. It's a German word, almost. A not quite grammatical combination of Zinne, meaning sense, and Lotion, meaning to erase. To erase senses, to become senseless. It seems to allude to the mythical side effects of Polybius, which implies a deliberate choice. It's almost certainly not a real company, as there are no other games attributed to them, nor any trace of company records. So Polybius could be of German origin, but the incorrect grammar might also indicate the use of machine translation, something chosen by a non-native speaker to sound suitably obscure or sinister. There isn't much visual evidence for the game, and most can be discounted as fake. But there is one screenshot that is consistently upheld as canon. It's rather basic. A black background with a Polybius logo, copyright information and credits. And nothing else. However, compared to contemporary games from 1981, one thing stands out. The logo is unusually large and detailed. Back then, fancy graphics were confined to the printed marquees. Every kilobyte of the ROM was valuable, so most game titles were rendered in the standard font, or on a much smaller scale. This did change over the next few years, and by 1983, larger, more lavishly designed title screens were more common. The closest match in terms of style might be from Nintendo. Their games favour large, bold titles with similar lettering. Perhaps Polybius drew inspiration from Versus Pinball, or Duck Hunt. Of course, both of these date to 1984, which makes Polybius's 1981 claimed year of release look spurious. Perhaps it was just ahead of its time. 
Another detail from this screenshot is the font used for the smaller text. Those with a keen eye might recognize a similarity to those used by Williams games, such as Defender or Robotron. And it's definitely a close match, but they're not identical. The smallest 5-pixel high text does match Robotron, but the larger 7-pixel text does not. There is one game that comes closer, nearly a perfect match, and while still a Williams title, it's the much less well-known Bubbles. It's still not a pixel-perfect fit, but it is closer than any other. The minor differences could be attributed to font hinting, JPEG artifaction, or perhaps a deliberate alteration. In any case, the text is distinctly Williams. Either Polybius is some lost prototype, or the image was fabricated by someone who drew influence from their games. The screenshot has been around for almost as long as the myth, and is likely the original source for the turquoise bubble-lettered logo. It doesn't exactly give us much to go on, and it certainly doesn't reveal what the gameplay might have been like. There are some that claim to reveal more of Polybius, such as these vector-esque images distributed on the now-defunct polybiuslives.com. First emerging around April in 2008, there's little supporting evidence for their veracity. All signs point to a fan-made creation. Besides, it doesn't make sense. If you had the ROMs and were able to take screenshots of a functioning game, why not show it in motion? To see the game running would be a revelation. There have been multiple people who claim to hold the Polybius ROMs, and yet there's no sign of them anywhere. However, there is no shortage of gameplay footage out there. But these are all fan-made interpretations, impressions of what Polybius may have been like. One of the first emerged around April 2004, distributed by a site called gooddealgames.com, the original source unknown. With a spooky icon, it's clearly supposed to evoke the myth, and those who are brave enough to run it are given a warning. The Polybius video game has been linked to impaired memory and psychological changes. Gameplay may cause epileptic seizures in susceptible individuals. Do you still want to continue? Click OK, and you'll be met with the familiar title screen, reformatted for a 4-3 monitor, with the logo rapidly flashing while a sound effect plays, a sequence of rising tones. The flashing continues until you press a key. And then... nothing. The game exits with a fatal error, and a message box that reads, April Fools, send this urban legend to a friend. Interestingly enough, if you take the executable into a hex editor, you'll find the 2 megabyte file is not quite what it seems. The first 10 kilobytes consist of some data, but the rest? Empty space, acres of zeros, terminated with a few bytes of text. April Fools. So we can write that one off as an obvious joke. But there is another game that has become the dominant example when searching for Polybius gameplay. It came from a site at Zinuslotion.com, the supposed developers of the original. But 
The sod explains that it's just a fan-made attempt to recreate what might have been. Launch the executable, and you're presented with the obligatory warning screens. Do not play this game, etc. And ominous mentions of cognitive interfaces and higher functions. A familiar logo appears, but this is no mere prank. There's an actual game amidst all the spooky theatrics. The gameplay is admittedly simple, giving you control of a ship that can move in, out, or rotate the playfield. Like the original legend insists, there's more to the game than simple shooting. Glowing shapes bearing numbers appear, and if these numbers match either digit appearing on the base, or are evenly divisible, then you'll reduce the base's number by that amount. Once the base reaches zero, you advance onto the next level, where the visuals get progressively trippier. Aside from the puzzle element, the gameplay resembles vector games like Tempest or Star Castle. Although some aspects are inconsistent with vector graphics, such as the swirling backgrounds. Entering the code 35, 34, 31, 54, 12, 24, 45, 43, the code that corresponds to Polybius on a Polybius square, grants access to the higher game functions. There's a host of extra settings here, some relating to auditory entrainment, subliminals, and color strobe, which disable some elements of the game. Others are more fanciful, however. REM imprinting, gameplay amnesia, operant paradigm triggers, countless settings designed to inspire the right level of paranoia. Cracking open the executable's resources reveals the game was made in Dark Basic, a game creation tool. Using a more specialized tool called Dark Explorer, we can reveal all of the game's assets, graphics, sound effects, etc. All of the subliminal aspects are laid bare. A variety of messages written in dark grey flashed briefly during gameplay. Obey, consume, submit. It's like something straight out of They Live. The sound effects are similar. Most are synthetic tones, but some feature voice recordings and sounds of breathing. Presumably, these are played at a barely audible level. Why don't you play? Try the game. Try the game. Try the game. Altogether, a pretty neat package for those who want to build their own Polybius cabinet. But who's behind it? The credits hidden in the higher functions menu give us some insight. Igor Uspeny's PhD and a mysterious number sequence. 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42. The numbers should be familiar if you've ever watched Lost. And it turns out the name is equally cryptic. It's an anagram of rogue synapse. The Who is data for ZinisLotion.com lists an email from the domain GorkaWeb.com, which in turn links to RogueSynapse.com. It's the site of an arcade enthusiast with a particular passion for recreating fictional arcade games, such as Space Paranoid seen in Tron, or the eponymous cabinet from The Last Starfighter. It's a fantastic fan-made project, but as far as the Polybius myth is concerned, it's just a tribute.
With the explosion of indie developers over the last decade, there have been quite a few other interpretations made, both for desktop and mobile. There was even a version made for the Atari 2600, with very limited distribution at the Retro Gaming Expo 2013. Few of these later examples make any claims of authenticity, and they generally follow a simple shoot-em-up formula. One particularly recent game that bears the Polybius name is Jeff Minter's version for PSVR. Minter is a veteran game dev long noted for his unusual games and light synths. Since 1981, he's been responsible for a steady stream of psychedelic experiences. Polybius stays true to the Minter mold, and with the rapidly strobing colors and breakneck pace of gameplay, you can see why the game has pretty strong warnings before you start. Its pulsating visuals and trance soundtrack mesh together to keep you in the zone. But its intentions are benevolent, with subliminal messages reminding players of the virtues of a nice cup of tea. It's good, but it's Polybius in name only. An homage to a legend. I certainly think there's some truth to Polybius. Lots of random arcades have been used as test beds for legendary unreleased arcade games, such as Marble Madness 2 and Primal Rage 2. And several other unreleased games have also been spotted in the background of old news reports. So Polybius could have easily been one of those. What I don't buy is a whole governmental conspiracy behind it. I mean, why would the FBI want to test a machine that makes people nauseous, not only in public, but also on children? I mean, what possible benefit could they have from giving kids migraines? <laughs> if they really want to make kids feel sick, all they need to do is wait ten years for Nintendo to invent the Virtual Boy. <laughs> so despite all the promises and these fan-made interpretations, nothing resembling a Polybius ROM has ever surfaced. A few fan-made versions and some screenshots of dubious origin are all that exist in the digital domain. But arcade machines are physical things. So what about any physical evidence? Of course, the original story tells of the machine's sudden disappearance. But what if one unit was forgotten? What if they weren't destroyed, but sequestered in some warehouse? What if someone found one? Well, there are some who claim they have. The videos all follow a familiar pattern. A shaky camera led by rumors of Arcade Hall to the reveal. A dark cabinet bearing a familiar name. Some even feature gameplay. Normally it's just the Rogue Synapse version, but sometimes it's something original. And then, just as things are getting interesting... What was that? Jump scare. Roll credits. Invariably, it's arcade enthusiasts showing off their custom cabinet work and having a bit of fun in the process. And who can blame them? Polybius is an essential part of arcade myth, and to have your own machine is quite the talking point. Only one Polybius cabinet is unaccounted for. A low-resolution black-and-white photo that appears on the killer list of video games entry for Polybius. It's a Namco-style cabinet, dating from about 1979 to 1981. You can see the same style in Galaxian, Gallagher, or Pac-Man examples. 
The black panels and T-moulding most strongly suggest a Gallagher cabinet with the decals removed. But the sides appear to be lighter, perhaps white, which means it could be the rarer Bosconian or a converted Bosconian cabinet. The controls don't match, however, just a single button and stick. And the coin box isn't consistent with Namco machines of that era. It is period correct, definitely from the early 80s, but the dual steel plate style is more likely to be from a Data East or Nichibutsu machine. So it could be a custom build, repainted and assembled from spares, or even built from scratch. There's also the very real possibility that it's simply a Photoshop. The Polybius marquee could have been applied directly from the screenshot. The low resolution and lack of color make detecting a fake difficult, and I suspect it's deliberate. An original photo of a custom cabinet, perhaps, but it seems altered to fit the myth. It's not just cabinets. Sometimes someone will claim to have a circuit board from the fabled game, such as the one featured here. If it were real, it might even be playable with the right connections, or the ROMs could be dumped and subsequently emulated. It would be a very valuable find, if it were real. This is definitely an arcade PCB, but it's not Polybius. It's a bootleg Miss Pac-Man with some minor photoshopping to obfuscate its origin. It's not even enough to fool Google's reverse image search, so we can confidently ignore this particular claim. Manufacturing an arcade game is something which involves a lot of people. Engineers, programmers, artists. It's not a task undertaken solo. So, with multiple people involved, Surely by now, someone would have come forward with information. Well, as it happens, there have been a few. Although whether they tell convincing stories is another matter. One testimony comes from an anonymous source who claims Polybius was associated with Sega's arcade division. He's known only as PRG-017. I know I will not be believed, but still, I believe this must be told. I have information on a video game called Polybius. This game is real. I was a programmer in Sega's arcade division. They play the myth straight, insisting that their secret project was designed to stimulate specific parts of the human brain. With testers suffering amnesia, and loss of arcade game fandom. They then go on to explain that the Sega Genesis CD made use of Polybius code fragments in order to get the two processors syncing up. The account is poorly written and loose on real detail. It leans rather too heavily on the original myth and the introduction of a link to Sega doesn't seem to make much sense. The technical details are vague and the timeline doesn't quite match up. The Sega CD wasn't released until 1991, a decade after Polybius. Given the overly dramatic ending, unverified status, and complete lack of supporting evidence, PRG-017 is a fraud. Perhaps the most prominent claimant of responsibility is a man named Stephen Roach. 
who, in a series of posts in early 2006, claimed to be one of the original programmers of Polybius. I think it's about time I laid this to rest. My name is Tyrone Roach. Sinuslotion was a company set up by myself and several other amateur programmers in 1978. He says he's primarily based in the Czech Republic, where he set up a company called Zinus Lotion with several mainly amateur programmers that worked on component parts for PCBs, with programming as a limited but very profitable sideline. Interesting how a band of several programmers saw programming as a sideline, but anyway, he goes on to detail the beginning of Polybius. We are approached around 1980 by a certain American company that shall remain nameless for legal purposes to develop an arcade game that centered around a new approach to video game graphics. So, a Czech company that specialized in PCBs was approached by an unnamed Southern American company to develop an arcade game which would be tested in a limited North American market. Truly a global conspiracy. He goes on to explain how the side effects started happening early in playtesting and how the resultant cover-up might have inspired the stories of Men in Black. I'll be honest, the writing smacks of impostorship. It's all recounted in run-on sentences dressed in dramatic language that wouldn't be out of place in a poorly written ghost story. And several things just don't add up. He claims to have been born in Rill in Wales and moved to Czechoslovakia in 1965 at the age of 15 due to his parents' business interests. An interesting proposition, given the fact that the country was under communist control at the time. He claims the Polybius name was chosen by one of his colleagues, who studied Greek mythology. But Polybius is a historical figure, not a mythological one. The majority of his ramblings are just expansions of the original myth, and what little novel detail exists is presented without proof. I reached out to him via his email address, but received no reply. He did reply to an interview call from Bitparade Co. UK, however, where he answered some questions about his role in making the game. Disappointingly, much of it is copied verbatim from his original post. Perhaps he wanted to keep his story straight, or didn't want to expend too much creative effort in developing the story. He does go into more detail about the gameplay, however, describing the puzzle elements that would later influence Rogue Synapse's interpretation of the game. In Kat Despira's 2012 article, Reinvestigating Polybius, she found a possible link between Stephen Roach and the Czech Republic. Someone with that name was running a troubled teen facility in Berna. However, this Stephen Roach was originally a policeman from Utah, whereas the one associated with Polybius claims to have been born in Wales, so perhaps it's just a coincident name. Everything about Stephen Roach reeked of a hoax. I had one lead left to follow. The original claims were made on a few different sites, but Roach was most active on the Retro Gamer forums, where there are a number of follower posts. The thread goes on for several pages. A few suspiciously new accounts are quite active. It seems someone might have been using sock puppets to fuel discussion. Later, a moderator confirms that several names are posting from the same IP, and Stephen Roach is amongst them. Most of these accounts were created specifically for the ruse, 
but the oldest had been used in good faith. I checked the post history. An introduction. I had the prankster's full name and an approximate location. A quick Google search turned up social media accounts that matched. I sent him a tweet and waited. I originally said that I received no reply from Stephen Roach via email. And this was true at the time of writing, and up until a few days after I sent this tweet. As if by magic, two and a half months after sending the original email, he finally gets back to me. I was approaching the end of this project. I didn't have time for his games. I had to call his bluff. So I addressed him by his real name. I said, perhaps it's time to retire the Stephen Roach persona. It was a long shot, and it didn't work. He kept up the pretense. Even in the face of the evidence I had, he wasn't going to give it up. Shortly after, I received a reply on Twitter from my suspect. My original inquiry was polite, pretty straightforward. But the response was obtuse, hostile even. I wasn't going to get a confession, but by now I was fairly sure I'd found the guy responsible. Let there be no doubt, Stephen Roach is a red herring, and his story entirely fabricated. Most of what we know about Polybius comes second hand, and this lack of primary evidence makes me suspicious of the whole thing. However, what we do have is primary evidence for real events that are a bit like some of the things that happened in the Polybius legend. And it's quite easy to see how this could have been embellished or misunderstood to create the Polybius story in these second-hand accounts as they're retold. History isn't necessarily what happened, it's what people say happened. So, there's a lot of evidence wrapped within the Polybius myth, but not much of it is convincing. The same stories crop up time and time again, sometimes with embellishment, sometimes with new theories, but never anything that links the game to its supposed origin in the arcades. Making sense of it all and establishing the truth is a difficult task, and I'm not the first to try. Perhaps the best way to establish Polybius' origin is to start in the present. Rather than chasing unverifiable rumours from nearly 40 years ago, Instead, we can trace the evidence that exists today back to its source. This trail might not lead all the way back to 1981, but wherever it ends might provide insight as to how this story began. As a starting point, we can look to Wikipedia. Its article history is transparent, and the site has been around for a while. On February the 25th, 2005, the Polybius video game page was created. But this isn't the first mention of the game on Wikipedia. Going back to November the 30th, 2004, the main Polybius article, the one about the historian, was amended with a section titled The Arcade Game Slash Hoax. Going back further, there was a short-lived edit on the 29th of February the same year that read, Polybius is also the name of a possibly fictitious video game in contemporary folklore. Related to Atari's Tempest, it legendarily led to mental illness in players. This is the earliest mention I could find. 
But what exactly prompted its Wikipedia inclusion early in 2004? The internet was young and going viral an as yet unknown concept. But in August, Polybius was featured in Slashdot, which was a pretty big deal back in 2003. And it mentions an inclusion in a recent issue of GamePro. At the time, GamePro was the world's largest independent multi-platform gaming magazine and claimed to be read by over 3 million gamers a month. In issue 180, covered 8 September 2003, although published some weeks earlier, there was an article called Secrets and Lies. The article featured six gaming myths, with each assigned a verdict. True, false, or inconclusive. Polybius was number six. The article expressed doubts over the game's veracity, citing a lack of evidence and the relative ease of fabrication, but it ultimately awards an inconclusive. It was this GamePro article that played an important role in propagating the Polybius myth, exposing the game to a widespread audience that might not have had access to the internet. It's not the origin of the story, but a key catalyst that transformed the game from obscure rumour to a widespread legend. Yeah, I think GamePro was probably a primary source for gamers to find out about Polybius. I think that writing about it in a national magazine certainly brought it to attention. Uh, and then, of course, after it appeared in GamePro, a lot of people then spread the legend and told their friends or asked other people, have you known anything about it? And probably added a lot of their own details along the way, because that's how urban legends work, right? Polybius's activity pre-GamePro was much more subdued. But even in early 2003, the game was still well known to arcade enthusiasts. It turned up on Snopes' forums in July, and had mention in a hoax roundup sometime shortly afterwards, asserting that this one is just a gag someone invented several years ago, which has now become enshrined on the web. Sometime shortly before February the 15th, 2003, an article on Polybius appeared on GoodDealGames.com. A familiar screenshot appears, and at some point there was also a link on the site to the April Fool's version of the Polybius executable. Most interestingly, at the bottom of the article there is a small banner with special thanks to a site called coinop.org. Coinop.org is a resource for collectors and enthusiasts of arcade games. It features a fairly comprehensive database of games, along with a knowledge base populated with repair and maintenance documents. The site is a common factor in many of these early articles. It seems they've had a page on Polybius longer than anybody else. Their description of the game is quite familiar. It seems most later articles have been based on this one. The screenshot appears here too. At the bottom of the page is a creation date, the 3rd of August, 1998, our earliest yet. But is it verifiable? The URI for this page has changed several times over its lifetime, so tracking down the first date of appearance is tricky. But with enough digging and copious use of the Wayback Machine, we can attempt to discern an origin. The current page's history only goes back to February 2014. At this point, URI rewriting rules made things more human-readable. 
the page prior can be tracked all the way back to 2003. Before this, the site used lengthy GUIDs with a minor change in 2002. This URI is the oldest I could find on the coinop.org domain, which takes us all the way back to June the 21st, 2000. The entire site moved domain around this time. While it originally started on coinop.org, at some point during 1999, it was incorporated into click2.com, first as a subdomain, then later as a subdirectory. It's here where we can track the Polybius page as far back as possible. A capture exists from March the 3rd, 2000. Interestingly, the creation date of 1998 is missing, as is the screenshot. However, there is a last modified date instead, given as the 6th of February 2000, along with a note. New edition, anyone heard of this game? This seems to imply that the 6th of February is the date the page was added. I mean, it says, new edition. So why does the page today insist that it was created in 1998? When did the date created field first appear? A capture from April 29th, 2003, lacks the page created date. The next capture has it. This means it was added between these two dates. The date might have been recorded before this, but not displayed. But another possibility is that the date created field was made later on and populated with a default value. I suspect the latter case is true principally because almost all the other game pages share the same creation date, down to the 4am time. It is possible that Polybius was present in the database back then, but there's absolutely no evidence for it. What we do have is a verified capture from early 2000, with a date of February the 6th and a claim of a new edition. I had nothing earlier in my timeline. This could be our origin point. Day zero, the day the myth started. So how can we prove that this was the starting point? Or more accurately, how can we disprove it? We're nowhere close to the supposed release date of 1981. So is it possible to find any earlier evidence? Anything at all, a throwaway mention, a forum post, or magazine article? Now, rumour has it that the myth first emerged on Usenet, circa 1994. It's not as popular today, but Usenet was once the go-to place for news, discussion and rumour. It's also fairly well preserved. Since 1995, Deja News has archived Usenet. And in 2001, they were acquired by Google. Today, Google Groups is the largest archive of Usenet posts, with the full Deja archive searchable, along with supplementary data that goes all the way back to 1981. Its search is imperfect, but with some patience, we might get some results. A broad search for Polybius pre-2000 turns up some predictable results. It is the name of a Greek historian, after all. It is matters of history that most often come up, with the occasional reference to a Polybius cipher in cryptological talk. There's also a user named Polybius, 
who was quite active in old mag Playboy between 1997 and 1998. Narrowing the search domain to known groups helps improve results. And one in particular is a nexus for arcade collectors. Rec Games Video Arcade Collecting, RGVAC for short. These guys are invested in arcade rarities, because if something's rare, it's valuable. So Polybius would be right up their alley. One of the first instances of the word was posted in April 2000, just a couple of months after the game first appeared on coinop.org. Posted by a user named NYMechanicalBR08, it links to coinop.org, a reply to a request for information on an obscure German video game which triggered an association. The OP of this particular thread is a German fellow named Christian Winter, also known as Cyber Yogi, but we'll get to him later. On the 27th of February 2000, just three weeks after it was first posted to coinop.org, a user named Zub posted a link on Polybius's page on click2.com. No, not the Greek historian. An arcade game, he says. I am skeptical of the claims made on the following page, but they certainly make for interesting reading. I actually spoke to Zub. I wondered how he had found Polybius. He told me, I simply wandered across it in one of my random walks on the net. It was serendipity, nothing more. Google Groups' search is far from perfect, so it is possible we've missed something. So what about other Usenet archives? A manual grep of the U2Zoo NetNews archive from archive.org, some five gigabytes of text when uncompressed, yields just three results, all of which refer to the historian. A discussion of the evidence for the historical Jesus from Net Religion Christian in 1985, and a passing mention in Net Politics the same year. I even tried a paid search of the Usenet archive, a site that claims to be broader and more easily searchable than Google's inherited dataset. I found zero results pre-2000. If there's nothing within the Usenet archives, perhaps another domain entirely will prove fruitful. Perhaps there is a mention of Polybius in print. Google Books describes itself as the world's most comprehensive index of full-text books, and it is freely searchable. Searching for Polybius between the years 1980 and 2000 yields several pages of results, but every single last one of them refers to the historian. Google Newspapers is a similar story. Perhaps a more specific search is needed within the enthusiast press, perhaps. In the 1980s and 90s, video games were better served by magazines than any other media. I searched nearly 200 gigabytes of gaming magazines, over 3,000 issues worth, for any instance of the word Polybius. There were three results. One from the September 1998 issue of Acorn User. A review of Ancient Greeks, a multimedia CD-ROM. Another pair from two adjacent issues of Commodore User, January and February 1986. Programming listings for codes and ciphers on your Commodore Micro and 
and implementation of the Polybius Square. That's it. The only instances of the word Polybius across 20 years of the gaming press. If the Polybius myth existed prior to the year 2000, it wasn't widespread. To my knowledge, no 20th century evidence exists. It's impossible to say for certain, but with no trace of prior evidence, we can only presume coinop.org is where the story began. And whoever posted it there might be responsible for everything. One name I've seen frequently implicated in the Polybius myth is a German fellow named Christian Oliver Windler, also known as Cyber Yogi, Teachmaster of Logology, the first Cyber Age religion. The denizens of RG Vac were quick to pin the blame for Polybius on him. He had a bit of a reputation, it seems. It does all seem to fit. He was in the right place at the right time, and his interests align. There's also the German connection with Zines Lotion. However, I believe Cyber Yogi is innocent. Stop harassing me with this damn myth. I didn't make Polybius. Otherwise, the man in black would now go after me. I have absolutely nothing to do with it. True. He did pull an April Fool's Day prank in 2000. He fabricated a supposedly lost East German variant of Phoenix. True, he was interested in obscure arcade games, particularly trance-inducing Zona games. And true, he is a little eccentric. But why would a native German speaker use a mangled word? And if he didn't want to be caught, why use German at all? Why would he conduct two rather ornate pranks in the same year? And why would he come clean about one, but not the other? Critically, how did he get an entry for the game on coinop.org? The coinop.org domain has been around since 1993, although the earliest page capture dates back to late 1996, approaching the limit of the Wayback Machine. Back then, the domain was home to the Virtual Coinop Museum, run by Stephen W. Reiner. It was a collection of photographs and articles relating to arcade machines. However, in 1998, Stephen offered the coinop.org domain to the users of the RGVAC newsgroup. He didn't have the time to maintain it, and so sought someone who could make better use of it. He ended up giving the domain to a web developer named Kurt Koller. By August 1998, Kurt had taken ownership of the domain and had relaunched the site as a games database. In April 1999, he moved the site to a subdomain of click2.com. And, interestingly, he mentions the addition of a German language version. In early 2000, we see another flurry of activity. The CoinOp site moves from a subdomain of click2.com to a subdirectory instead. It's around this time that the first evidence of Polybius emerges. By August 2000, the CoinOp site moved back to its own domain, where it's lived ever since. So, who provided the information for the site? 
The bulk of the game's database is sourced from community-maintained lists of games, some of which are still present in coinop.org's knowledge base, and data contributed from other sites and projects, the MAME arcade emulator, for instance. Coinop.org has always had an open call for contributions, but the presented entries for games are manually curated and incorporated into the database, presumably by Kurt. He had exact control over what appeared on the site, and he's always had that control. So perhaps he received a tip about Polybius. Perhaps someone emailed him the description, and he reproduced it in good faith. Maybe, but if his intent was to maintain an accurate list of games, why would he keep the text unaltered if most of his arcade-collecting peers were quickly prepared to write it off as a hoax? Why would he update the entry in 2009, promising more information? Stay tuned. Information which has yet to transpire. Finally, remember the GamePro article? The one that exposed Polybius to a mainstream gaming audience and is perhaps the single largest factor in the legend's persistence today? I spoke to the author of that article, Dan Amrick, and asked him where he first found out about Polybius. Kurt was the person who first tipped me off about Polybius. I've thought about it for a long time, and ultimately I came to the conclusion some years ago that Kurt was probably just making all of this up and pulling the wool over my eyes, and he sent it in as a tip to see if I would bite, and obviously I bit. Everything pointed towards Kurt. He was behind coinop.org and thus responsible for the earliest confirmed emergence of the myth. As an arcade enthusiast, he would have been familiar with the games from Polybius's era. In fact, he owned some of them. As a web developer, he would have had the necessary skills to forge a convincing-looking screenshot. He also had at least some familiarity with the German language. But he wasn't fluent, hence Zinnes Lotion. He's no stranger to internet fame, either. He's the one behind the Taco Bell $2 bill refusal story, under the Usenet pseudonym Captain Sarcastic. Finally, he had a motive. He wanted to drive traffic to coinop.org. And when he sent a tip-off to GamePro magazine, it paid off and immortalized the legend. In any case, to uncover the truth, I was going to have to speak to him. So I emailed him, asked if he'd answer a few questions. He said, sure. I asked him directly, were you responsible for the game's addition to the site? If not, who was the source? Where did the screenshot come from? His answers weren't helpful. He insisted the game was present on the site since day one, the 3rd of August 1998, despite the contradicting evidence. He went on, the entry's wording on coinop.org is very specific. That's all I'm allowed to comment on. Hmm. I didn't expect a confession. But it was clear he wasn't going to let me ruin his fun without some resistance. By this point, I was almost certain he was behind the Polybius myth. He was, at the very least, complicit. So he was definitely hiding something. 
But what did he mean by very specific wording? My mind was cast back to the connection between Polybius and cryptology. The Polybius Square. Could the very specific wording of the Polybius entry be hiding something? A coded message? At this point, I'm not even sure. It could just be me reading between the lines. A wild goose chase. But I suppose it's worth a try. Rereading the text, I noticed some unusual things. The writing is odd, with rather too many commas, and some peculiar wording choices. There's also a spelling mistake, disappeared with a missing E, which is not necessarily unusual, but it has gone untouched for 17 years. Maybe we never noticed it, but he did notice a spelling mistake on the Polybius Wikipedia article. There's an edit by a Kurt S. Collar made on the 27th of October 2005, where he corrects the spelling of non-existent. So maybe, maybe the spelling is intentional. But what does that mean? Perhaps word length is a factor. Perhaps his code needed a ten-letter word and nothing else would fit. Despite my suspicions, my attempts to decipher a message that may or may not exist were fruitless. Besides, code-breaking was outside the scope of my intention. We already had an origin, and we had a likely suspect. Maybe I was hoping for something more. During my search for Polybius's origin, I had seen numerous claims that the myth first emerged on Usenet in 1994, but I never saw any direct evidence for this. However, there is one thing which definitely emerged on Usenet in 1994. A puzzle that has a startlingly similar name. It's called the Publius Enigma. Anonymous claims of a hidden meaning within Pink Floyd's The Division Bell album. On alt music Pink Floyd, an anonymous source emerged with cryptic clues. Few believed it at first. But when the words Enigma Publius appeared in lights at a Pink Floyd concert, well, clearly there was something to it. However, to this day, the Publius Enigma remains unsolved. No hidden message was ever found. The parallels could be a coincidence, but I know Kurt was active on Usenet at the time, so it's fairly likely he was familiar with this story. Perhaps this might be part of the inspiration behind the Polybius myth. There was no shortage of ideas for the avid prankster in the late 90s. Government conspiracies were on vogue due to the popularity of the X-Files. Couple this paranoia with the emergence of an exciting new digital frontier. The internet was a fertile ground for ideas to spread. A critical mass of gullibility. One hoax that gained traction around this time was the Pacific Northwest tree octopus. Proof that people will even believe stories of arbor-bound cephalopods if you tell it earnestly enough. This emerged at around the same time Kurt was working on coinop.org, and again, maybe part of the inspiration for Polybius, particularly the link to Portland. For as long as there have been internet hoaxes, there have been those who attempt to debunk them. Snopes being perhaps the most famous example. The site was born out of the alt-folklore urban news group, 
and while he won't find any trace of the Polybius myth there, there is some discussion given to video game related urban legends. Some of them are quite familiar. We can even see hints of proto-myths which might have helped form Polybius. One legend states that if you're able to attain a particularly impressive high score, government agents, FBI, CIA or similar, would seek you out. Why? Who knows? Recruitment, perhaps. This is strikingly similar to the plot of The Last Starfighter, in which a teenage boy is contacted by aliens in desperate need of a saviour with his shoot-em-up skills. Maybe the myth inspired the film, or vice versa. It probably doesn't matter. The link between the FBI and arcades is further strengthened by the Winners Don't Use Drugs campaign that appeared in all North American arcade games between 1989 and 2000. Quite how effective the anti-drug message was is not for me to say, but the FBI seal is imprinted on the memory of every arcade guy from that time. There's also the very real possibility that the myths were inspired by real FBI involvement in the arcades. Between bootleg machines, drugs, and illegal gambling, it's entirely plausible that the men in black did raid the occasional arcade, or seize the odd arcade machine. However, it's far less likely that there was a coordinated plan to control the minds of gamers in arcades, although the CIA did conduct mind control experiments with its MKUltra program. It was really more of a test of the utility of psychoactive drugs in combat and interrogation. Long fodder for conspiracy nuts, but its lack of success is well documented. The government has dabbled in using video games as training aids. Atari's Battlezone, for instance, and even Doom. But a full-on mind-control conspiracy? That's a pretty far-out theory. I think that the idea of the government having its act together to the point where they could put in an arcade game in a town and use it to neurolinguistically program or otherwise brainwash the populace is a pretty scary one just due to the fact that when I was a kid, literally every politician that I could think of was terribly frightened by video games. So the thought that the government would understand technology and be able to use that against the rest of us, I think is inherently creepy, inherently cool. Another film with shades of Polybius is The Bishop of Battle from 1983 film Nightmares. A reflection of the feared potential harm of arcades, as a hyper-addictive game gradually takes control of a boy's life as he attempts to beat the mysterious 13th level. The rapid rise in the popularity of arcades, particularly with children, caused a bit of a moral panic in the early 80s. Most concerns were relatively unfounded. The kids were there to play video games, not for drugs or gambling. But even so, the pursuit of high scores through marathon play sessions could prove deleterious. In 1981, Brian Mauro of Beaverton, Portland, suffered stomach discomfort after 28 hours of shooting for an asteroid's record. It wasn't the video game that caused it, but a heady mix of sleep deprivation with a cocktail of caffeine and sugar. The odd headache and upset stomach aside, 
It's difficult to find evidence of any serious injury that has come from video games. However, there was an arcade-related death reported in 1982. Peter Bukowski of South Holland, Illinois, was playing Berserk when he collapsed. It was a pre-existing heart condition, possibly aggravated by stress. But for some, it was evidence that an arcade game could directly cause harm. One very real risk that video games can pose is photosensitive epilepsy. To those who are sensitive, flashing images or patterns can trigger a seizure. In the earliest days of the arcades, this wasn't commonly understood, and so some flashing effects could be pretty intense. Couple that with a darkened room, long play sessions. Despite not being particularly common, eventually someone's going to have a seizure. The first reported case of a video game triggering such a seizure was in 1981. Astro Fighter was one game implicated around this time. Today, you can see the lasting effects of these concerns. Flashing effects are rare, and in every manual for every game, you'll find the same boilerplate disclaimer. Oh, sure. Back in the 90s, an episode of Pokemon appeared on Japanese television that caused seizures and sent 700 kids to the hospital. And that was just at 30 frames per second. Imagine what you could do with a game at 50 or 60. I bet there were some Atari games that gave susceptible kids a not-so-happy Christmas. I watched that banned footage. It made me feel weird. The motif of harmful sensation is a recurring theme in fiction, particularly in horror. The idea that something can hurt you just by observing it. From Medusa to the Basilisk. The Ring. Polybius. A long line of legends. Sometimes they're even self-propagating, like chain letters or you-have-been-spooked memes. It's a huge cliché, but somehow the notion that you shouldn't look compels us all the more. Culture is full of repeating patterns, and as Polybius took inspiration, it too has influenced others. It makes frequent cameos, seen in the background of The Simpsons, The Goldbergs, Batman Inc. The Llamasoft version is a central focus in the Less Than video by Nine Inch Nails. We love to tell stories that send shivers down spines. And with usual cynicism suspended, the internet has brought a new dimension to horror. Creepypasta is the latest face in a long line of folklore, and quite a few focus on video games. I mean, even Polybius itself fits the description. There's a whole parade of fictional games with a dark secret. The tale of a haunted Zelda cartridge told in Ben Drowned. A forbidden game from the dark web in Sad Satan. And the supposedly lost PlayStation title Petscop. It's a form of horror with mainstream appeal, hence the popularity of Minecraft's Herobrine. Slenderman, or Five Nights at Freddy's. It seems we have a hardwired attraction to mystery, a desire to cast light on our fears and on what might lurk in the shadows. Gaming is full of secrets, 
and in a social setting like an arcade, they can spread like wildfire. Rumors about hidden screens, secret characters, and levels abound. Most were gated behind skill demands, difficult to execute, and so nearly impossible to verify. It was easy to believe such secrets existed, and to a younger observer, witnessing an arcade technician accessing the diagnostic menus must have been mind-blowing. Hidden options behind lock and key, cryptic messages on screen, such as the special function seen within the Defender service options. It's no wonder that teen imagination ran riot with possibility. So, what does that special function do? It exits the diagnostic menu and returns to the game. That's it. Invariably, when you cast a light on things, they turn out to be mundane. But the sounds and the experience of the arcades were a lot to take in. With each play costing a coin, most of us could only scratch the surface. Some games relegated to a fleeting glimpse, lost to memory. The human mind is an unreliable thing when it comes to recollection, and when we hear stories like Polybius, the mind scrambles to make connections. Somewhere, somehow. Maybe this is why some people swear they remember. Perhaps a lost memory triggered the details hazy, but it must have been surely. Simutrek's Cube Quest from 1983 would have left quite an impression on anyone who saw it. Its hypnotic visuals and Tempest-style gameplay were unlike anything else of the era. However, it was an expensive cabinet, and probably more expensive per play to recoup costs. And Laserdisc games were notoriously unreliable. It's entirely possible such machines would disappear silently and without trace. Not for conspiracy's sake, but for simple profitability. There are plenty of rarities out there that went uncatalogued for a long time. Take the East German Polyplay from 1985, for instance. Polyplay has been implicated in the Polybius myth. The name is similar, after all, and even the stylized P on the cabinet bears a similarity to Polybius's logo. Previously forgotten, one example appeared at Berlin's Computerspiel Museum around 1998, just prior to the emergence of Polybius. There were a thousand or so units made. They were found in swimming pools, leisure centers, all over. But when the Berlin Wall fell, the machines were recalled and destroyed. Just a few remain. Perhaps a government cover-up. Or maybe just an attempt to recover state-owned assets for profit. Who knows? Not every machine was as successful as Space Invaders, Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, or Galaga. There are countless games long forgotten. Obscurities, bootlegs, and prototypes of no interest to anyone but collectors. Not every game was catalogued. Not every ROM dumped. And with the passage of time. And the destruction of cabinets, some may even be lost. It's a worrying void of uncertainty. What if a game called Polybius did exist after all? It could be real. Like Russell's teapot, it's impossible to entirely disprove its existence. But the burden of proof lies with those telling the story.
with absolutely no evidence that predates the original story, it's safe to assume that it's just a myth. But from this melange of arcade mystery, a myth like Polybius was almost inevitable. And so, as the internet came of age, that's how it began. A man inspired, saw opportunity, and hatched a plan. A sprinkling of detail, touch of paranoid nerve. Add a mysterious screenshot, and you're ready to serve. It wasn't enough for collectors well-seasoned. Most were quite cynical, and with good reason. As the tale almost stalled, a new trick was needed. A magazine tip-off ensured exposure was seeded. An explosion of interest, and any doubt drowned. Curious waves of the gullible inbound. By now, the story was simply too big to kill. Inscribed in folklore, echoed in forum posts still. An in-joke for arcade fans of spooky illusion. And for low-effort listicles, an essential inclusion. An indelible myth, but at least we know the deal. Polybius never existed, but the legend is real. Thank you very much for watching, and until next time, farewell.
please subscribe to the D2R Podcast Network on iTunes, and don't forget to rate and review while you're there. You can also download the Stitcher and Podbean app to your device for free and search D2R Podcast Network and subscribe. If you enjoy listening to the shows on the D2R Podcast Network, then spread the word to everyone you know. Your word of mouth is our best advertising method, and we appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. Where can you find everything you want to buy? Amazon. What about two-day shipping no matter where I live? Amazon. What about groceries? Yes, Amazon has it. Go to d2rpn.com and click the Amazon banner. Fucking love it. So there I am in my car, listening to shitty music. And I ask myself the tough questions. Why am I listening to the same song over and over again? when I could be listening to the D2R Podcast Network. And is it true that he who smelt it dealt? And why the fuck did the chicken cross the road? And what the hell is on Joey's head? Hey, I wonder if Yoko Ono saw yesterday, today. I wonder if tomorrow was yesterday. Rockford reference. The D2R Podcast Network. Live for today. Or yesterday.